service. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 88. Thanks for being here. Shout out to my guest from last week, Ayla Meritrice. Ayla, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. That was so much fun. Listen, if you have not yet, check out last week's episode. Make sure you are following Ayla. She is on Twitter at NakedGRLTherapy. Her website is NakedGirlTherapy.ca. I have links to both of those in the show notes from last week. Hit them show notes. Show her some love. As always, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Full Service Pod. I am at Tank Funkadelic. If you enjoy the show, make sure you are subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to us on. You'll be alerted as soon as those new episodes drop every single Tuesday. If you want to support the show, Patreon is the best way to do that. You can find us at patreon.com slash fullservicepod. Each month we have at least one Patreon-exclusive episode that you cannot hear anywhere else. If you want to check that out, patreon.com slash fullservicepod. I mentioned this the past few weeks, but if you join the outcall tier of our Patreon, you will get a free month OnlyFans subscription to Friends of the Podcast, Sweet Haley Grace, Alexis Reynolds, and Sophia Soma. So hey, what are you doing? Join the Patreon. It's a good time. Ratings and reviews help so much for visibility for the show. So if you can, hit us with a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, write us a review. That would help us out so much. Today, episode 88, I'm so excited. My guest is based in Seattle, but she is a full-time traveling companion. She is a writer. She is a creator. Her name, Simone Solsa. We sat down maybe a couple weeks ago when she made a stop in Atlanta during her cross-country tour. We discuss what it's like to be touring during this time what her past year has looked like, her love of writing. She creates websites, does copyright for other sex workers. We talk about that. We look at her experience in sex work. She's done it all. She's worked online. She's done sugaring. She's worked in companionship. She's danced so much. We discuss how to hire an escort. She uh, actually wrote a uh, blog post on this a couple weeks ago. So if you're maybe a client out there, you're like, oh, what about, hey, we talk about it. We discuss OnlyFans, the importance of setting boundaries, self-care, where she sees herself in the future. So much, so, so much fun. Yo, Simone, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was such a good time. Such a good time. Listeners, you can find her on Twitter, at Simone in Seattle. You can find her on OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com slash OnlySimone. Her website, SimoneSolsa.com. She also has a podcast, a 5 to 9 pod. You can find it on Twitter at 5 to 9 pod and on Spotify. I will have links to all of these in the show notes from this week. Make sure you hit them show notes, click those links, show her some love. I'm going to stop talking. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Simone Salsa. Thanks. Welcome back, listeners. It's Tank Smith. I'm so excited for today's episode. My guest today, she's based in Seattle, but she is a full-time traveling companion, Simone Solta. Simone, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Hell yeah. I'm stoked. This is so great. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> listeners, we are currently in Atlanta. How's, uh, how's Atlanta treating you so far? It's pretty good. I have no complaints so far. Hell yeah. Hell <laughs> it's yeah. good to be back. How, uh, how long are you in town for? Just till Monday. 
Oh, okay, nice. Couple more days, yeah. Fuck yeah. You got any uh, got any plans while you're here? Do anything fun? What what's the what's the moves in Atlanta? Yeah, um, I mean, I've got work and I'm visiting some friends. Got some birthday activities we got to get to. So yeah, should be a fun time. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I know you're uh, you're based in Seattle, but you're like constantly like traveling, constantly on the road. Yeah. Do you have any uh, like favorite places to visit? I think my top favorite places so far have been Joshua Tree, California, okay, and then just generally New Mexico. Like oh shit, <laughs> the entire state. I, I hear mean, like New Mexico is just like beautiful. It's so beautiful. It truly is the land of enchantment. I was very close to just not leaving, <laughs> but I had to, you know. Keep, keep moving forward. If you had to make a recommendation for somebody to go in New Mexico, is there like a spot where you're like, this is, or is it really just all around <sighs> the entire state of New Mexico? Everything was beautiful, but I did really love the hot springs um, outside Taos, Black Rock. Okay. The hot springs outside Taos was like very beautiful. It's right by the river, so you could do a little hot and cold dip. Okay. Without, you know. All the temperatures. Hell yeah. <laughs> I feel like a hot springs, that'd be kind of fun. Oh, it's so fun. And it's like clothing optional. Okay, so, nice. yeah, it's it was great. Everyone just like makes friends there. Yeah. It's, it's super chill. Yeah. Cause I think we have like warm springs, I guess. Like in like a little bit south of here. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh F T R had polio. He used to go down there and uh, hang out. Oh. Cool. And like the uh, warm, I think it might, it might be Warm Springs, Georgia. I might be butchering this, but there, <laughs> there is a place in Georgia, South. We went there on like a school field trip one time. What? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Dang, I wish I did. I would have gone and checked it out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty. It's uh, I hear it's nice. Yeah, fuck Dang. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so you know, I feel like you know, March of last year, we're a little little pandemics happening. You know. Now, yes. now that the vaccine's out there, what's something? What's something? What's something you're excited to do that you haven't been able to do over the past year? Honestly, I'm fully vaccinated now, so I've started being able to do more of that stuff. But like going out to eat a little bit yeah. more and seeing friends, being able to do stuff like this inside yeah. someone and not be afraid. There was <laughs> of, a lot of like, that happening. Last <laughs> just being near people yeah. <laughs> is nice. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a huge thing i'm excited for yeah were you in like seattle area like during the pandemic times Mm -hmm. was it like pretty locked down pretty bad yeah yeah yeah. i think we were kind of late to lockdown at first i can't really remember the timeline but it's only just now i think starting to open back up okay i know that it was very locked down as compared to a lot of other places yeah um even as recently as uh, March when I was in Austin, Texas, you know, it's super open there, yeah. but Seattle was still super shut down at the same exact time of oh, this wow. year, March of this year. So I think Seattle just has been stricter overall. Yeah. So it's been challenging. Georgia, Georgia, we're, we've been open. We've been yeah. open since the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all were like pandemic. Who's she? <laughs> Never heard of her. <laughs> COVID. That's not even a thing here. It's, it hasn't been a thing for a while. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah! I know on your website you have a lot of writing. Like you're, you've been writing. How long have you been writing? I think that the first poem I remember writing was I was like ten. Okay, so that's when I start because that's sort of what kicked off nice. um, my writing passion, I guess. Uh, and I've been writing ever since. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite poet? E.E. E. Cummings okay. has been my longtime favorite. Nice. Yeah. 
but I love I love a lot of contemporary poetry. Okay. I kind of snub the classics because it pisses people off. Yeah. <laughs> I find it funny. <laughs> See, back in the day, I was all, you know, Shel Silverstein. Sure, yeah. I mean, he's a classic. Yeah. How can you not? So great. He's so good. Yeah. <laughs> You uh you write uh, erotica as well. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Very recently. That Fuck just yeah. started in the pandemic. Oh, okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to quantify it because a lot of my poetry has had erotic elements in it for a really long time. My friends joke that um, like I just write a lot of sex poems. Yeah, but yeah. They're not necessarily explicit erotic in the way that you would think of erotica being. I guess. But it has always kind of come naturally to me. And then I wrote one for my friend. Nice. And it just sort of kicked me off on this, like, oh, this is a genre I haven't tried yet. I don't usually think of myself as a fiction writer, but in this format, it's so much more accessible to me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's always cool when you try something new and then, like, you might never have done and then you're like, oh, I kind of like doing this. Like, I'm going to try to do this more. I feel like it's always, like, fun when you find something that you're, like, haven't done and you're like, this is something new. Fuck yeah. This, totally. This cool. Especially since I've been writing for so long, it sometimes can feel like I've been doing the same kind of stuff uh, my whole life. And yeah. I definitely branched out a little bit here and there, but I always come back to poetry. So being able to find something that was just as engaging and inspiring for me as poetry was was really cool. Like, I'm developing more as a writer, which... It never stops, but it can start to feel stagnant when you've been doing it your whole yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, if I can switch it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, I know on your uh, on your website you have a post where you talk about basically there not being any like ethical consumption under capitalism, and like yeah. and like trying to <laughs> trying to like spend your money as ethically as possible as possible. Like, how is that kind of like? path or like journey been for you trying to do that i guess it's super challenging um that became like when i wrote that essay it was on my mind a lot because of the protests that were happening last summer and i was pretty involved with that stuff and i was thinking about how economics are often the most like effective way to bring about certain changes yeah and so being able to you know, if I'm not able to always go to a protest or always be involved in a direct action, what's something I can do that's not necessarily passive, but something that can be ingrained in the everyday life. And I was like, well, you got to put your money where your mouth is. So that started me sort of wanting to explore where am I spending my money um, and doing stuff like shutting down my Amazon Prime account. And especially because of Amazon in Seattle in particular. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like just wanting to pull my money out of those kinds of things and places and opening a credit union account and trying to move, you know, from a big bank to, you know, smaller financial institutions and yeah i i think a lot of it a lot of my thoughts around it especially for that essay was around like clothing and clothing consumption because there's also an environmental impact so thinking about buying things secondhand thinking about more sustainable methods of production if you are going to buy new clothing that was sort of where my mind was at so yeah i still try to keep that stuff in mind uh, but sometimes it's hard because you go into target and you're like oh man that's really cool I yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> it is i mean and so many things too like if you want to look at like cell phones it's like well you can't even totally. you can't even have a cell totally. phone that's not made by like children yeah you know? there are certain things that you can't get ethically yeah that, because there's no ethical there's, there's no there's, there's no way that there's no way yeah 
like unless yeah there's there, i mean i'm not making i can't make a cell phone you know right. like you're right. all just relying on the existent like uh institutions i guess that we can't really avoid yeah. in some aspects and there's no perfect way to do it so it's just a matter of looking well where am i able to make changes without you know inconveniencing my life so much that it's not possible or whatever uh but like with amazon it was easy because i was like i live in a major city i live close to grocery stores anything i really need you know i can probably just go and get it and i can afford to pay a little bit more for shipping you know instead of the amazon prime situation so because i'm able to do those things it's easy for me to divest from that institution fuck yeah um so yeah fuck yeah you uh you do website website design create websites for other sex workers yeah <laughs> how long have you been doing that uh that started in the pandemic too oh yeah. shit hell yeah um i mostly do copywriting i've done a little bit of web website design for other folks okay. um but i just really enjoyed building my own website and i did it two separate times because i switched which platform i was using so i had to start from scratch okay and do it again and i just found it to be really interesting i don't know anything about coding but playing with different templates and trying to figure out an aesthetic flow uh, was really fun for me. And then the writing, of course, is so fun for me. I really, really like it. And it's so much easier to write about other people than yourself, which is why people hire out for it. Uh, So I really loved doing that. And it started as sort of a supplemental income for me during the pandemic when I really wasn't working because everything was shut down. And I was like, what else can I do? Oh, I can write. I'm writing for myself constantly. I'm switching up my copy all the time. Might as well offer it to other folks. So. Yeah, you got to yeah. check out uh, SW Rolodex. I mean, like, so I interviewed this lady uh, like a couple weeks ago. She's based in Scotland, but she has a website SW Rolodex, which basically pairs like sex worker friendly freelancers with like sex worker businesses. Like, so if you you would go on there and be like, hey, I do website design for sex workers, and then people can like hire you to. Like, do their website and oh, stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's dope. It's nice. pretty cool. I got added to some database, but I don't know what it was called. Okay. Some some sex worker put together a database of something similar. I wonder if it's the same thing. I don't know. Oh, don't hell know yeah. Anything, but <laughs> I'm somewhere. <laughs> People, if you're listening yeah. to podcasts, next, Simone's going to wake your website. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me write something for you. Hit her up. <laughs> Fuck yeah. What, uh... What's something you're passionate about? Like, if you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to relax, trying to have, like, I'm trying, like, what are you, what's, what's your go-to thing to do? Is that like, that's, mm. that was an open-ended, terrible question. <laughs> um, well, I love going on walks, which seems like such a basic answer, but during the pandemic, it saved my mental existence, I yeah. guess. <laughs> just being able to leave my house and go outside, especially during spring. I just love being outside in nature and looking at flowers and listening to all the birds. And it's stuff. nice. It brings it's me nice. so much peace. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, definitely like outdoor stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Swimming. If it's like warm enough to swim, that's what I want to do. I want to be outside naked in a lake. That's, that's, <laughs> that's nice. for oh, sure yeah. what I want to be doing. So yeah. Fuck yeah. So I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Like, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So you are full-time traveling companion. You're also on OnlyFans. I always like to start like at the beginning of like how you got into sex work. Can you remember your first like exposure to sex work at all? I remember distinctly being still in high school and being like 
stripping seems really fun. I want to try that. I don't know yeah. where I got that idea. I don't know what I was consuming. Maybe I was just on the internet too much, but there was something really alluring about the performance of it and okay. dance. And I always found pole really interesting. So I definitely had an awareness of it uh, young. And then I actually dabbled in online stuff pretty much as soon as I turned 18. Cause okay. I just was really curious. Um, I dabbled in dancing early too and then I stopped and then I moved to Atlanta and then I was doing online work kind of intermittently um the entire time I just didn't really invest much in it I didn't really understand the social media aspect of it so it really picked up for me it was like very very small amounts of money here and there to supplement my life um and yeah and then I got back into dancing and then I got into sugaring, which I had also dabbled in, but like I wasn't ready for it at the time when I first started. So it's kind of been an all over. It's been part of my life since I was like 18. Really. Okay, cool. Hell yeah. Uh, I just didn't really get serious about it until a couple years ago. So what was, what do you think that change was to where you're like, kind of just like maybe like dabbling in a little bit to being like, I want to like do this like as a career. Like how was, how was that? Like, I guess, change for you. Um, I had to break up with my partner. (laughs) I was in relationships with people that weren't really comfortable um, with it for a long time. And I was in these sort of long-term back-to-back relationships. So when I left my last long-term partner, he was really against all of it except the online stuff, which was my least favorite at the time. And so as soon as I broke up with him, I started dancing again and everything and was like, I love this. Why did I wait so long yeah, to yeah. do this? Why, why, why did I keep him around? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's kind of where like the shift finally happened where I was like, no, this is actually what I want to be doing. So Fuck yeah. Yeah. How did you, did you dance in Atlanta ever? Yeah. How'd you, how do you, how do you like dancing? I loved it. Yeah. I miss it a lot. Actually. It's, there's still something so just amazing to me about being on stage and, and doing this, seductive like almost mating dance but it's not a mating dance but it's like uh (laughs) you know there i just really love and i love going to strip clubs so the whole experience to me is just really fun um so yeah i really i really loved it i just it wasn't really a popular industry in seattle Uh, dancing up there is difficult so people go to portland so i was going to portland uh maybe once a month to try dancing um, but it's harder when you're not there consistently and then the pandemic shut everything down and i haven't danced since okay. everything shut down yeah. okay do you see yourself getting back into dancing like at some point maybe yeah i'd like to to try again to dabble a little bit but it it also feels like that part of the industry is suffering in a unique way yeah um, stripping or strip clubs used to be more of a cultural thing in the 90s and early 2000s and from what i understand talking to people that have been in the industry that whole time there's been a severe decline really ever since the 08 crash oh um, really and that the strip club culture has just changed so much and that even atlanta which you know in my mind when i first moved here six or seven years ago i was like atlanta home of the strip clubs yeah, and yeah. even the dancers here are like i don't know it's not really that way anymore so um i don't know i mean i did go to blue flame when i was here last weekend how's blue flag i I saw it on the killer mics had his uh he had a show oh yeah he did have that and he went to he went to blue flame yeah ever since then i'm like it looks amazing yeah it was intense i had never been in a club like that before um 
and it's very different from what I'm used to, but it was super fun. So, I mean, they definitely seem to be making money. They seem to be doing just fine there. I was like, hell yeah. Um, But really different business models and vibes, you know, across these different clubs. Um, So maybe that's the way that they operate is more successful than the other clubs I've seen. I I don't know. It it seems to vary so much based on geography and what's happening and the pandemic and like your body type and then like the cultural body types and all these different things. It's it's really hard to say like what actually is going on. I feel like no matter what, like I feel like an atomic bomb could, you know, maybe hit maybe like not too far. Well, not the atomic bomb. Let's say a a pretty, I was just going to say, I feel like magic city would be open no matter what. (laughs) I feel like no magic city would be doing well. No matter what the the circumstance, it's got you know? it's got some brand recognition going yeah, for it for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that atomic bomb shit, but yeah, I feel like you know, Matt, yeah, anything Matt, could happen. Yeah, yeah. it's like waffle, it's like Waffle House. Waffle House will still be good no matter what's going on. Same I with- I saw a TikTok that was like, you know, Georgians love Waffle House because. Waffle House shut down during the pandemic, and that's when Georgian started saying, "Yeah, like that's <laughs> Waffle House does not close." Waffle House never closes yeah, ever. Yeah, like it's. <laughs> I love Waffle House. <laughs> so good. It's so good. <laughs> There's no reason it should be so good, but it's so good. Shout out to Waffle House. Yeah, we love you forever. Yeah. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I don't know what Waffle House is, maybe you're in Europe. Hey, <laughs> you're missing out. Yeah, you should come just for Waffle House. Just for Waffle House. Yeah. It's... <laughs> So right now you're saying a full-time traveling companion. How did you get into companionship? I know you mentioned you sugared. What was that kind of like? How was how was getting into companionship? How was that? Um, it was a pretty smooth transition. I had been sugaring just for a little bit and realized, you know, this there's still too much um there's like a lack of clarity with boundaries there. Okay. Um there's a lack of a set market rate there's people want a lot from you for very little and even before i had stepped into companionship i knew that what was being asked of me was not um was like really exploitive (laughs) like much more exploitive uh than if i could just set the terms myself in a way that was really clear and there was too much sort of you had to pretend that it wasn't a job and they wanted it to feel like it it, this isn't actually what you do for work. This is, you know, this is your side thing, but you're actually a student or whatever. And it was just like, I don't... I'm going to mentor you. Yeah, I'm not... I don't want to play these games with you. I want us to both get exactly what we want out of this. And I want it to be really clear. I don't want there to be any um, confusion about what we're doing together. Yeah. Um. So I had already been in community with strippers through Twitter. And that's how I sort of found out about sex work Twitter. So through the stripper Twitter community, I like was friends with some people who were in the companion world. And so I was able to talk to a couple of people and be like, Hey, do I just, do I just post ads? Is that how this works? Like I just go ahead and do it. And that's what happens. And they were just like, yeah, that's basically it. You just post an ad (laughs) and then you, then you're, you're an escort now. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, guess I'll do that then. <laughs> and uh, so that's what I did. And then it, it just sort of seamlessly oh, transitioned. Yeah. yeah, that way. Do you feel like there was like a learning curve or like a waiver period at the beginning when you're like, not good? I always ask everybody, like, do you feel like, is was there a learning curve to it? Yeah, to the you feel yeah like? I think so. But I had also sought out, really early, I sought out mentorship. Um, oh, nice. Because 
I don't have an ego. I know that I'm not good at stuff just because I want to do it necessarily. As much as I would like for that to be the case <laughs> that I'm perfect at everything, uh, I I found it important in the industry to have people to look up to and people that can guide you. And um, for that to be a reciprocal relationship, I didn't want to just be that guy who's like, hey, give me all your tips and knowledge that took you years to build up. Like, I wanted to be able to offer something. So I was able to make some connections early okay, nice. on and... and rely on people and then, um, you know, try to find ways to reciprocate that relationship. Okay. Um, so I felt like I had a pretty strong start because of that. Um, and then I had been observing the industry for so long, even when I wasn't actively dancing because of my relationships, I was still following strippers on the internet. I was still engaging with sex work culture from a distance. And so by the time I stepped into it, I, I kind of knew a lot of, I knew a lot of the things that I think slip people up in the early stages in terms of like what boundaries you should have okay. or like how to keep yourself safe. These were things I had picked up just by observing. And so I entered it sort of knowing exactly what I needed to do in certain respects okay. uh, for my safety at the very least. Yeah. So. Do you feel like dancing was definitely a positive thing? Like, you, Are you glad you danced before like getting into companionship? Do you feel like it had any, do you, did it impact it at all? Do you feel like, or? I think it made it easier to think about the, I guess, quote unquote, next step. Like if you're, if we're thinking of sex work as like an escalation, which I don't think you should because not everyone does everything. But for me, it was very much like online work was the gateway and then stripping was like the next layer and okay. then companionship was the next layer after that. And that's certainly not true for everybody, but stripping normalized a lot of stuff that I used to be more hesitant about. Okay. Um, like I didn't realize until I started dancing that a lot of girls would go out to like maybe a dinner with a regular customer at the club because they would offer and they'd be like, let me buy you a meal. Let me buy you a new work outfit. I didn't realize how much of that was happening. Even if they weren't escorting, a lot of them were yeah. not necessarily doing more with these guys. They were just going to dinner and stuff, but that normalized the idea of like, Oh yeah, you can have, varied interactions with different people with various levels of intimacy in different contexts, different settings. Um, and so that kind of made it easier to conceptualize, Okay, you know, what else is possible, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you, so in companionship, do you feel like you have an average clientele that comes to see you? <sighs> and does it vary by region? Like yeah. by based on where you are? It's weird. I've had, I I guess my average client, you know, they vary so much in age. I've gotten so many different age groups to come see me. Um, so it's hard to quantify average in that manner. I would say the usual common trait among my clients has less to do with who they are or how old they are or anything like that, and more to do with the fact that most of them are interested in um, something a little bit more emotionally intimate. Okay. Uh, So they're usually nervous to jump into physical stuff right away. They want to talk a little bit. They want to get to know me. They are interested in not rushing the process, and they're interested in feeling seen as a person. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which I think is common in the industry. Yeah. I don't think that's unique to me, but I don't get a ton of folks who are just looking to show up and then 
sort of get out. Um, okay. I've certainly had those people, but they're, they don't make up the majority of who I see. So, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel like when you looked at companionship before starting to where you are now, did you see, I guess, did you have an idea of what you thought you'd be doing versus what you're doing now kind of thing? Is that... You know, I think at the beginning, I just was, I think I was a little bit more naive in terms of how easy it would be to get work. Okay. Um, in the beginning, I was like, oh, if I just have a couple of clients a month and I can make XYZ money, like, that's fine. I wouldn't even have to do this that often. And then I started in the industry and was like, oh my God, it's hard to even get those couple of months sometimes with all that you have to invest up front and all the work you have to put in and... I hear people talk about the pre-Sestafasta days and the, you know, when Backpage was up yeah. and how easy it was. And I'm like, dang, I just should have started a little yeah. <laughs> earlier. I kind of missed it by just a margin. Um, so, yeah, that sort of changed, like, my expectations and how realistic it is. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I guess I thought I would be more, like, purposefully low volume or that it would be incidentally low volume. Okay. Um, and then it became, like, unintentionally low volume because yeah. it was just hard to get work and then the pandemic happened and it was, like, impossible to get work. And now I'm, like, uh, I'll work as much as I need to. I don't really have any qualms with being higher volume or lower volume. It's yeah. whatever works for my schedule, yeah, really. Yeah. So, Yeah. Do you feel like when people reach out to you, like potential clients, do you feel like they know what they're doing in contacting you? I wish. <laughs> sometimes sometimes they do. I, I seem to get two sorts. I either get the, the people who give the perfect, most wonderful email and we're booked in two emails and it's flawless and I'm stoked to meet them. Those people always get me so hype. I'm like, I'm going to look extra cute for them. I'm going <laughs> to wear my special outfit. Like, I can't wait to meet this person because they like clearly read everything on my website. They told me a little bit about themselves. You know, they they did it great. And then there's the other people who are like the complete opposite and they're like, "Hey, I'm contacting you from Trist where your email is next to your rates, but I'm also going to ask how much your rates are after sending five emails where I had to ask 17 other questions. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> the information you seek is next to the information you already have. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually quite easy. <laughs> uh, so. so. So on your website, right, you wrote a post, mm -hmm. you know, how to hire an escort. What do you what do you want potential clients to know in the book? Like, what do you want potential clients to know in terms of like booking and escort? Like, how it's done, or like what what? It, can you give advice or like break it down for the for the people listening to the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I think the most important thing that I think is good to remember from from the client side is that this is a human being with their own life going on, and so it doesn't make sense for us to have to sift through every email and answer every tiny question. That's why the website and the ad exists. And so if you ever are trying to contact a service provider, the best thing you can do is just read literally everything on her website. You don't have to read all my blog posts. Yeah. You can, but... The, read, read all the blog posts, people. They're really good. Yeah, I mean, thank you. <laughs> I try. I really try with those. Um, you know, the people that do read all the blog posts, they let me know and we have an easier time getting acquainted because yeah. they kind of already know what I'm about and they appreciate that I, you know, put this other side of me out into the world and so it's, it's easier to connect. But, um, you know, the about page I think is helpful 
um, the offerings page, you know, it has all the information about the rates, the in-call fees, like all of that. And then my contact form has everything else you need to know. It has how to reach me. It has all the screening protocol. And so I think really just paying attention and reading before you reach out is the number one thing you can do. Uh, Because when I want to book a hair appointment or any appointment, um, I just read the rules first. It's really easy. And if I then can't find what I'm looking for, then it might be appropriate to ask a question. But I've been known to comb through people's websites uh, multiple times looking for the information I want. And only after I've confirmed that I cannot find it, will I ask a question about it. Yeah. Um, So I think that's the best way to go about it. I feel like it's, it's, I feel like for this, it's kind of like one of those things to where like, this is a service you're providing a service part of the service industry. This is one of the, it's, it's I feel like one of the only things where like people are like reaching out, like when they could just, Hey, all the information's there. Like reaching out, like and not reading it, I guess, because they want you to respond. I don't. It's... Yeah, yeah. It feels disrespectful when people ask me questions that are really obviously answered because it's like I feel like you saw me or a picture of me and you didn't. You don't really respect me as a person. You are seeing an object, and I don't want to see people who see me as an object. And I can tell, so you won't see me. Like if you put me through this level of time wasting and even if you weren't a time waster even though there are people who did intend to book if you exhaust me in the process of that i won't see you because i don't feel like you're going to respect me when you're in front of me if you can't respect me via email how can i know you'll respect me to my face (laughs) email is literally the least the least amount of work yeah (laughs) yeah it seems so easy um yeah, so that's that's a big thing for me. I think something I wrote in that post was the way that you respond to screening requests is part of screening. That's yeah. like the most important guideline. It's not just that you sent your ID. It's did I have to pull teeth to get that out of you? Did I have to, you know, ask you over and over for certain information or did you actually thoroughly read my emails and give me the information I needed and did it in a timely manner? That's also the screening process yeah. um, because I have had people make it all the way through the screening process, send me everything I asked for. And then I ended up not wanting to see them because of how exhausting it was to go through that process with them. So it's like, no, it's not enough that you, you know, don't show up on a blacklist or that you don't have a criminal background. It's you also wasted a lot of my time. Yeah. Uh, I'm not interested. <laughs> Where do you feel like the breakdown in like the booking process happens? Cause I know you said like you mentioned on Twitter, it's like it gets 80% of the way you're like, we're good. We're good. And then it falls off. A lot of the time it's people not wanting to send their ID. So they'll send me their, say their LinkedIn profile, okay. but then they won't send me anything that I can cross-reference it with. And okay. it's like, okay, well, a link to a profile, you could send me a link to anyone's profile. How yeah. am I supposed to know that's you? Um, so that's a lot of it. They'll send me like, yeah, what they want, when they want it, their profile, and then not send their ID, even though it's listed multiple times that I need it. Um, and then also the deposit, they'll get through like the entire process. And then I'll be like, great. The only thing we need to secure this is a deposit. It counts toward your balance it's so that i can book the room and not be at a loss if something happens and then they ghost or they disappear whatever um so i actually added a button to my form now that is a mandatory required to submit the form that says i understand i will have to pay a deposit okay nice because at that point if you click that box 
And then later you ghost. I'm like, well, you filled out the form. (laughs) You had to have read it to click that answer. Because there's also an option that says, no, I'm not going to pay a deposit. And I understand that this means I will not be getting an appointment (laughs) so that I can throw away the form if anyone ever says that. And so far, everyone said, yes, I understand. And it's been a lot easier. That'd be funny. You just fill out everything on the entire booking form. And then you're like no and yeah. then it's like well and what then the you fuck? still submit the form and then i'd be like great i'm going to throw this away now yeah <laughs> thank you for wasting your own time and not mine you know that's funny <laughs> do you ever feel pressure in a session to live up to clients expectations at all i think i just do live up to yeah. expectations <laughs> i don't feel pressure because i think that i um I think I do a good job of presenting who I am online. So generally what people tell me is that I'm exactly what I seem like. I I follow you on Twitter. I'm like, hey, I'm seeing what I'm seeing yeah, on the internet. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's not, there's no surprises. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what people are expecting. They don't really verbalize I was expecting this or that, but usually they're just like, oh, you're just even better than I imagined. Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm like, great, I'm doing exactly what is natural for me. Yeah. So I'm really glad that that's what you're expecting. Uh, it's way too much work for me to be someone else online than who I am in person. Um, that's a level of acting chops that perhaps I've not achieved. But <laughs> you get you get what you see with me, I think. It's, Hell yeah. yeah. Do you feel like going into it, you're like, I kind of want to make this person like is like, true to myself as possible i know some people are like who they are at work and somebody in their personal life it can be like 180 degrees uh different do you feel like i'm going into this and try to make it as like true to myself as possible yeah yeah i i would not be able to maintain being someone i'm not entirely you know i think simone is just another side of who i am okay she's very much like real and yeah, I can't, I'm not, I'm not interested in making up a bunch of lies that I then have to remember. And like, <laughs> you know, what, who did I tell what? I try to just, if it's personal details, I just don't speak on them. Um, and everything else I keep, you know, everything I say is true. I just might omit things that would be compromising to my safety. Yeah. But I don't want to make up anything that then I'd have to be like, oh, did I tell them I grew up in Michigan and I've never even been to Michigan? Like, why would I do that? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah so i just throw out a michigan city and then then you don't know what it is and right like, yeah what the f-? my greatest fear has always been that i'm gonna tell someone that i'm from somewhere i don't know why not even a client just in any situation like someone's like where are you from and i tell them a lie and then they're like oh yeah me too where'd you go to high school and then i'd have to like know where high school <laughs> like, is. i'm gonna go google real quick <laughs> yeah I'm gonna exactly. go to the bathroom. i'm gonna go to the bathroom and then i'll tell you yeah yeah totally I actually so. went to this high school and they're like yeah. well, this is jones Holy yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you had her and it's like oh man i I'm in too deep. So yeah, I think it's, uh, like I'm lying. Yeah, just... yeah. 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 Let, let me just come clean right now. I'm totally a liar. Uh, yeah. So I just, um, I make it easy on myself and I try to just be who I am and it seems to work out pretty well. Fuck yeah. yeah. So you are on the old only fans. How, how you like only fans? You know, it's different. Um, so I had dabbled in online work since I was 18 and this was pre OnlyFans, and, and it never really caught on for me uh, because I wasn't able to dedicate the time to it that I now realize you, you have to, if you want to have it be a full-time job income, you have to treat it like a full-time job. I don't have that stamina in me. Um, I started it during the pandemic cause I wasn't working and um, it's been really hard. Uh, I think 
I do better in person. I, more of my personality comes through. It's easier. I don't think static images or even videos really convey what you get out of an in-person interaction, which is also why the pandemic has been really hard. Uh, Like I hate, even in regular life, I don't like video chatting. I don't like Zoom calls. I avoided every Zoom event that was ever hosted. I was like, I'm not fucking going to that shit. I don't want to. (laughs) It feels really stressful for me. So OnlyFans has been like a large learning curve in terms of what am I comfortable with? What do I enjoy doing? Um, And now I've kind of found a groove with it where it's not as uh, challenging as it used to be. But I had to really cut myself slack uh, because in the beginning I wanted to do this sort of like more high production value. I wanted to have concept videos and I was editing everything and I was really enjoying learning how to edit videos. I loved that part. But, you know, it was so much time. Yeah, It was just so much time and yeah hours to film and think of a concept and get private space to do it i lived with people it was just like this whole thing and then editing everything and then putting out a video and then being like okay i can only really charge 10 to 20 dollars for this video that i sink hours of my life into yeah um and they're not even that popular because people are used to paying so much less yeah for a video so i was like dang forget that so now it's 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 a lot more of like um like a not safe for work diary is what I call it. Okay, so cool. it's just like, it's nudes, lewds, it's stuff I'm seeing on the road. It's cool food I ate or cooked sometimes a lot during the pandemic. I was baking a lot. So it was like, here's what I baked this week, you guys. Yeah. And um, I wanted to get more into like audio porn and stuff too, but it's just so hard to juggle so many different facets of branding. And then of course I have my own life <laughs> that I still yeah. have to do. You still got that whole thing. Yeah. Right that there. whole thing. So I just took a lot of the pressure off myself and was like, you know what? Just do what you like doing. Don't worry too much about making it look too good. Let it just be natural. And people seem to like that. The feedback I've gotten has been, you seem so real. Like this is the content I like because it feels like a real person is doing yeah. it. And um, everyone's trying to search for that connection. Yeah. And I, I don't like being hyper performative on video. So I really can only make explicit content that feels genuinely in the moment. Like I'm really horny. So I'm just going to film what I'm doing and I'm not going to like overact. It's just going to be what it is. Yeah. And so that's how I found a way to enjoy what I'm doing. And I think it comes across because people are like, oh my God, <laughs> you, yeah. you actually like what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually not interested in performatively fucking myself uh, yeah. on camera in a way that's not fun for me. So I feel you. Yeah. It's just like, so yeah, it is. Talk to so many people and it's like the amount of work that goes into OnlyFans is truly incredible. Like, it's so much work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I didn't get into this line of work to do stuff I don't want to do. You know, I've worked enough jobs I hate. And online work started to feel like that burden of, this isn't actually what I want to do in this industry. Um, So if I'm doing this for not very much money, I might as well just do something else. Yeah, yeah. So I've just sort of let it be side income that's like, only do what you like to do. And whatever comes of it, comes of it. And don't worry too much about it. Otherwise, I'm never going to be a full-time OnlyFans girl. I'm never going to be like an amazing porn person or content creator. It's just not really my thing. So I mean, it I'll was leave like, that to the girls that really know what they're doing. I mean, the pandemic really switched up, you know, what a lot of people were doing. Cause mm-hmm. it was like a lot of people that might've been dancing, might've turned to OnlyFans, totally. might've turned to in-person work. People that were doing in-person work might've turned to like online work. It's just like a whole meshing of the sex work worlds during this, 
fucking pandemic. It's, yeah. It's really crazy. Yeah. And some people really took to it. Some people I've watched go from in person to online only and they really thrived in it or they completely changed their branding angles or whatever. Um, and that's awesome. Like, it's really cool that people were able to find new passions and new skills. Yeah. It's just, I love interacting with people in person. That's, I'm a social person. So in person, that's there's always nothing like it. Be there's my, my wheelhouse, I think. Fuck yeah. I know, like, not not every day at work, no matter what your job is, is going to be, like, a good day. What are some, like, challenges or frustrations you might have, like, within your job? I think the hardest has always been um, the, like, poor booking oh, okay. stuff. That's always, to me, the hardest thing. Um, just people wanting a lot from you without offering much in return. Yeah, that that's like, to me, I think the hardest part. I generally don't have a hard time with people once I meet them because, again, part of screening is how you do screening. So yeah, yeah. I end up seeing people that are respectful. And so in person, I don't really have these challenges with people pushing my boundaries, okay. um, which, of course, is not – no screening method is 100% perfect. Like, I don't want to posit that, oh, my screening's so good. I'll never be in danger. It's not like that. I've just – a mix of screening and luck. Yeah, I've yeah. been fine. Um, Fuck yeah. But, you know, there's always risks. So I think people who, like, make an effort to put me at ease, that's always reassuring. Um, uh, okay. Fuck yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the challenging stuff is definitely people wanting a lot from you all the time. Uh, do you feel like, like, after you wrote the post, How to Hire an Escort, do you feel like it changed how people reached out to you at all? Or, like... You know, I don't know if people people haven't specifically cited that when reaching out to me, but I have gotten a lot better inquiries lately. Okay, like, nice. Oh, since yeah. then, I think I put up an explicit boundary on social media, and I also put up an energetic boundary with myself where I was like, I'm not accepting this behavior anymore. Yeah. I'm just not going to. And that was an internal shift I had to make. And I think that it worked whatever energy that I shifted inside there, myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's lately I've just been getting these like perfect inquiries that make me so happy. And <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, keep it coming. Keep it coming. Hell Cause yeah. I like, I do get excited to meet those people. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to show up to work a happy girl. And that's who you want to meet. Yeah. <laughs> you want to meet happy Simone, not already exhausted yeah. Simone <laughs> because of your antics. <laughs> so do you feel like uh, burnout ever happens for you? Totally. Yeah. What, uh, what helps with burnout? Um, so it's funny. I was just having a conversation this morning with someone about this. Um, that post came out of some burnout. Um, I think the biggest thing that helped with burnout was setting those boundaries, um, mostly internally, like just making a decision. I am going to accept only this and nothing less taking more breaks from being online. I think, Twitter is such an important marketing tool for me, especially on the road. It's not feasible for me to post ads in every city on every platform. It's super expensive and I'm not usually in places long enough for those to even be relevant. Um, Some sites, you know, I think the big one that we shall not name, uh, (laughs) the shortest you can do is a two week touring ad. Jesus Christ. And so I'm sometimes only, like I'm only in Atlanta for three days. I'm not going to spend two to three to four to five hundred dollars for a two-week ad when i'm only here for three days yeah so social media is a huge part of that but that means that i'm on social media constantly so setting boundaries with my time with twitter has been really important um 
spending more time with friends and working on what makes me feel good. Not what makes me feel good in work, but what makes me feel good as a person. And it's like, oh yeah, when I get more sleep, when I'm stretching every day, when I'm going for my walks, when I'm talking to my friends, I'm eating healthier food. Those are things I do to take care of myself. And that gives me energy to come back and do the work better because the work is so that I can live my life. And if I'm not living my life and I'm not enjoying my life, then what's the work for? Yeah. Uh, so making sure that I'm like, oh yeah, enjoy your life. Yeah. That will make working easier. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it all goes hand in hand. It's crazy. <laughs> Do you feel like it's ever hard separating like what you want as a person, like you versus like what's some, like what you want for work? Yeah, I think it can be because I... I have a really hard time these days, especially the pandemic switched everything up with seeing very far into the future with what I want for my life. Okay. And I have a lot of ideas and I love so many different things. It's hard to like pick a passion or whatever. And so, yeah, sometimes it's like, well, what do I want as a person? And I think doing this work has taught me that like what I want mostly for my life is independence and freedom and, um, particularly around my time. And so work feeds so much into that because it's like, how do I have the time to do my passions and my hobbies and to travel? Travel is like my favorite thing. I get that from work. That's why I do this job. So it can be hard to separate um, those different aspects because they, yeah, I only have the independence because of this work I'm able to do. If I had to do a different job, I wouldn't have these other things. And so, yeah. yeah, it can be... They meld a lot, Um, but um, it's fine for me at this point because it's still so much better than any job I've ever had. And I do really get this incredible amount of freedom that I've never had before uh, that allows me to do stuff like travel full time. Yeah. Like like that's like, like, you've been, you've been on the road. Like I know you're, where, where are you headed? Where are you headed after Atlanta? I know like. Yeah. So I'm going to Richmond, Baltimore, DC, New York, Boston. I'm going to bop around the Northeast. I've got a lot of friends and family to visit, um, which has been another fun part about work is I can go visit people I care about and like pick up work while I'm there. It's like a, everything is a tour and also a personal trip, you know, it's, That's nice. it's so fun. It's, yeah. it's the best. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like sex work has helped in other aspects of your life? Totally. How so? Like boundaries. Yeah. Um, being able to like clearly communicate what I need and not again, like not put up with other people's inability to do that. Um, that's been like the most integral thing, understanding that I deserve better treatment from people, um, whether or not there's like a monetary exchange happening, like dating, all of those things like, oh, actually, no, there are people who respect and value my time enough to pay for my time just to hang out with me. If you can't even communicate clearly with me and shoot me a text at an appropriate time to tell me you're running late for something and you're not even paying me. Like, why would I even bother? (laughs) Like that seems like a waste of my time because my time's important to me. So, um, definitely, definitely that. And definitely being able, like I've gotten a lot more bold with just telling people exactly what it is that I want and that I'm looking for out of our interactions instead of this sort of, um, especially when it comes to romantic things. I don't date super often, but people sort of play games or they, they, they pussyfoot around what they actually want. Yeah. And I'm I'm a lot braver with just being like, so I don't understand what you want. Could you just tell me? 
I would love to just know what you want. Yeah. And I would love to just resolve this. And you don't have to say that you want me. You don't have to say that you like me. You can say, actually, I'm not interested, but I need to hear that. Cause yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to spend my day guessing your intentions. Who has time for that? <laughs> I feel like, so like, just like, uh, like in TV, it's this whole relationship between like men and women dating. It's like people are just playing games, yeah, playing mind games with each other. Like, let me do this, so she thinks this, and she'll be like, let me do this, and he. Th- if we could just be open and right. honest and have this dialogue about what everybody's looking for, I feel like it just helps so much with fucking human relationships in general. Totally, yeah. I'm really grateful for <clears throat> work for that reason because I love being able to have a really clear interaction with somebody and be like we know what we're here for and now we don't have to worry about that we can just relax and have a good time we don't have to guess what each other is into yeah like let's just have a conversation and it's it ends up being a more honest and more fulfilling interaction because it's like oh i got exactly what i wanted and like they got exactly what they wanted and we had a great time together and yeah like wow that's amazing (laughs) like i don't have to go through this drawn out guessing game process with someone amazing yeah Um, so Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about yourself now that you didn't know before you got into sex work? Hmm. I know also too, it's like you're like also like eighteen at the time too, so I feel like so much right. is probably Yeah. I, I honestly like wouldn't even count that at this point. Um I think of I think of my like true start as being when I started companionship and and taking it more seriously and it being more of part of my life um, because that's where I think the biggest growth has occurred. Um, I think uh, one thing I really learned about myself is that I really have like the grit that it takes to be your own boss and to uh, kind of like make things work no matter what. Um, I haven't had like a job outside of this industry since 2019 and oh, nice. even throughout the pandemic, you know, I've been able to make it work. I've been able to find ways to hustle my way through situations and, um, make d- big decisions like go travel by yourself across the country. I never would have thought I could have done that a couple of years ago. I would have thought that seemed really crazy or how would I do it? And like, what about the lack of stability? And I've just shown myself that I'm capable of taking care of my shit (laughs) and that I'm capable of being on my own and that I'm capable of organizing my life so that even when I have zero structure, I know what I need to do when I need to do it. I'm an organized person. I'm, um, a financially wise person to a certain degree. So I know, how to have fun, but also how to not fuck myself over. Yeah. Um, and so that's been invaluable um, because I think when you work in the regular nine to five life, things like that are really scary. I remember being really scared of like, what about a gap on my resume? And what about, I want to go travel, but I don't have enough PTO and all these things. <laughs> and then you realize that you don't have to live that way. And that you like, well, at least for me, I am capable of figuring it out even without that stability so that's been like the hugest lesson is just like you're gonna be fine you're gonna make it you have what it takes to make it without these support systems yeah so yeah yeah i feel like if you can make it you know like on your own through a pandemic i feel like it's like well what right right there's nothing (laughs) i mean i feel like an asteroid's not really gonna hit anytime soon i feel like you know i got this and if it hits i'll figure it out yeah (laughs) i've done it before ride that tidal wave yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) how long do you see yourself in sex work i have no plans to quit anytime soon 
I definitely am thinking about going back to grad school for some other stuff. And I think I would still do it while in grad school to help sustain me in grad school. And I would even consider doing it if I pursued a career post grad school, doing it concurrently. The people on the podcast are hearing this and they're cheering. They're clapping. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still be I'm around. around. Yeah. I, I, you know, I love it. I just love it. I love what I do. Um, like genuinely enjoy it. And it gives me everything that I want in my life, which is financial stability and uh, like bodily autonomy and freedom. And those are like the two most important things to me. So I don't really see a reason to stop Fuck yeah. at this point. Oh, yeah. Also, I get to just talk to hot girls on Twitter all day. Like, I don't know. <laughs> would you stop if that was your job? <laughs> Never. <laughs> so five years from now, 2026, let's take a little trip to the future. Yeah. What are What are you doing? Where are you at? What's the move? <laughs> That's a great question. That's the question I've been asking myself lately because of the grad school thing. So if I go to grad school, um, it would be, you know, I'd be in school for two and a half years two to two to three really and then I might have to relocate for that and then I would um have to do some like internships and stuff after or concurrently and then I'd have to like launch into this next career thing and that is very much like a five-year sort of timeline for the thing that I'm looking to go to school for so I'm sort of at this crossroads now where I'm like do I do this? This means moving again. I would probably, if I don't go to school in Seattle, I would move out of Seattle, but I kind of love Seattle. So do I want to go back? And um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I have a hard time planning out more than a few weeks. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad you didn't ask me the question. (laughs) (laughs) With the pandemic, everything changed. Like everything I thought I was going to do changed. And I used to be such a planner, such a future planner to my own detriment. Um, like I started meditating this year and I started trying to be a lot more mindful about living in the present because I was giving myself so much anxiety about what am I going to do for the future? And, Oh, this thing isn't going to work out. And what do I do when plans change? And now I'm almost the opposite. I'm like, I don't know what fucking day it is. Yeah. I think multiple times on Twitter, I've probably been like, it's Friday. It's definitely not Friday. <laughs> like people are like, it's Thursday, bitch. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's, That's none of my business. It's frankly, Friday. It's I'm Friday, just vibing. It's Friday somewhere. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. Hit up Australia. They're, they're probably having Friday, but, um, because of that, and especially with traveling, I really do change plans based on where I want to go, where book, where work is being booked. Sorry, I keep hitting this. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> uh, and and like who, uh, which friends I want to see, and which friends are available when I want to see them. So I think right now I'm only tentatively have plans about like where I'm going to be for the next few weeks, and after that I'm like again, no idea. Free, like, <laughs> free burden it out here. Totally, yeah, yeah, very on the fly, which. Is great because instead of having anxiety about things not working out, I'm just like, what's there to work out? There was no plan to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> I hacked it. <laughs> I hacked the problem. <laughs> I have no goals. So, yeah, uh, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So everything is possible. Yeah. yeah. Anything. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Simone, I appreciate I appreciate you coming to the podcast. Yeah, it's been a lot, so of, a lot of fun. <laughs> it's great. Before we get out of here, do you want to plug some social media for the people so they can find you? Yeah. Um, definitely check out my OnlyFans if you like seeing me be naked and sometimes i vlog uh inconsistently but it is happening <laughs> vlog it's happening. my travels um uh that's onlyfans.com slash only simone and then on twitter i'm simone in seattle 
that's basically it. I do have my own podcast. It's kind of been on hiatus for oh, a bit. Shit. But uh, that's 5 to 9 pod on Twitter. Um, you can find it on Spotify under... It's a podcast within a podcast, so you have to look for the Hot Girl Agenda podcast, and then episodes within that are called 5 to 9. Okay. Um, and we have like five episodes, I think, and hopefully we get some more going soon. But if you want to hear more about the stuff I'm interested in, um, it's about sex work and queer stuff and i don't know random other stuff we've interviewed some people Hell yeah. <laughs> it's fun <laughs> yeah five to nine people go listen to it fuck yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah simone I, yeah, I appreciate you coming on yeah Thanks. totally it's been great <laughs> yeah. listeners we will be back later that was my interview with simone solsa yo shout out simone i appreciate you coming on the podcast that was so much fun Listener, she just plugged it. You can find her on Twitter at Simone in Seattle. You can find her on OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com slash only Simone. Her website, SimoneSolza.com. You can also find her podcast on Twitter at 5 to 9 Pod and on Spotify. I will have links to all of these in the show notes. Hit them show notes, click them links, show her some love. As always, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Full Service Pod. I am at Tank Funkadelic. If you enjoy the show, make sure you are subscribed. You will be alerted as soon as those new episodes drop every single Tuesday. If you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash fullservicepod where you can hear exclusive Patreon-only episodes. And hey, yo, if you subscribe to Outcall, if you subscribe to the Outcall tier, you get a free month trial subscription to the OnlyFans. Uh, friends of the podcast, Sweet Haley Grace, Alexis Reynolds, and Sophia Soma. What are you doing? Sign up for the Patreon. It's a, it's a good time. It is. Uh, <laughs> Yo, I, I feel like I don't say this enough, but hey, if you want to be on the show, if you want to hear anything talked about on the show, if you just want to write in and let me know what's up, if you just want to say, hey, ooh boy, fullservicepod at gmail.com, send us an email. Ratings and reviews help so much for visibility for the show. If you could, hit us with a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, write us a review, that would help us out so much. This has been episode 88. I appreciate you being here. We will be back on Tuesday. Oh boy, what's happened? Is it a solo? Is it an interview? Only one way to find out. Follow us on Twitter. I will tweet about it. I am positive. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually uh, moving uh, to a house with a couple of my buddies. They're moving down from North Carolina to Atlanta. They're uh, also comics. And uh, we're moving on Friday, so I'm excited about it. But uh, I was, like, literally just thinking about this. I'm, like, moving out of the house where I, like, started the podcast. So, like, I, this is the last, probably the last time that I'll record in this house. Uh, so it's it's bittersweet, but we're moving on to better things. I'm, uh, I'm excited. So, uh, hey. But, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll still be here. Every single Tuesday. I appreciate you. Oh, hey, hey, yo. I'm just, I'm just rambling now. But, yeah, I'll see y'all. I'll see you on Tuesday. Later. Full service.